0: And I want you to biblically try to discern this. Try to answer this. this now, look, when I read this, uh, well, you can tell me after I read it what, what your thoughts are. But people ask about this, and especially we, we live in a day, I watch it out, out the front window. I come down in the morning, I open the shades, the blinds, and uh I watch out that window as people walk their dogs back and forth and uh I mean you know how people can be with with animals, right? Do any of you have animals? any of you have dogs? you have a dog dog and a cat so Louise will be our guinea pig to tell us if she can if she can feel for I, I don't I don't know if this is male or female, but I think female. I think you'll think that too. But okay, here we go. This has to do with pets. Grace and peace unto you, Pastor Tim. I've been following your YouTube teaching since 2020 during the COVID saga. My precious pets, tumbles and muffin. Are you ready for this? You come down just in time. Right here. Uh, My precious pets, tumbles and muffin passed on one at a time in... Uh, February 1st, 2022, and uh, 7 twenty two. so June 6th, 2022. During their six years of life with me, now my precious pets, I'm assuming that those are indeed dogs. During their six years of life with me, I witnessed the Lord's faithfulness to my babies, and I could testify to all the mercies and goodness that the Lord has granted unto them, because of all the testimonies. Now, now get this again. Remember this: when we when we do these questions, people make assumptions on a regular basis that. I read and I realize their assumption is is something that we should think about whether it's true or whether it's false, uh, whether whether their statement actually holds water because sometimes they make these assumptions and then they build their case on top of it, but you've got an assumption down line that doesn't hold water and so it kind of your whole logic falls to pieces. But Because of all the testimonies of the Lord's love for my babies, I believe that the Lord has brought them back to his garden to be cared for by his angels. And I also believe that I will get to reunite with my babies in the New Jerusalem when the Lord redeems them. Pastor Tim, is it biblically wrong to believe like this? The Gospel did say that the Lord will redeem all his creatures, all his creations. One more query. Pastor Tim. My daughter engaged an animal communicator to talk to my babies in June this year, is this considered as talking to a medium like what King Saul did in the Old Testament, which is sinful? Question mark. So, okay. You may look at this and what are you all feeling when you hear this question?
1: I, I, I mean, I think God's definitely kind to the animals we've got. To. I've seen it in the own dogs' life. And I know Sandra has in earth just little things that have happened, but I I think there's somewhere in the Bible, I don't know where it says, be kind to your peace, because it's, it's the only life they'll get. Uh, like, they don't go to heaven, which I don't believe they do, but, um and I, I think it is, like, channeling, isn't it? You know, it's not valid.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you've got If you've got some dogs that die, or cats that die, and you are seeking an animal communicator, which is basically, let's put it in proper terms, it's a person who is trying to conjure up the dead, Um, I I, I think, okay, let's, let's work this thing back to front. The question is, is this considered as talking to a medium like what King Saul did in the Old Testament, which is sinful? Well, there's this. Um, I just dug up some quick verses. What they're doing here is they're talking to the dead. Now, whether you're talking about a human being or you're talking about an animal. Now, it's very interesting talking to an animal because it makes you think, well, did you talk to the animal when they were alive I mean yes you did but did they talk back because if that was happening that's kind of weird because that's what you're doing when you're basically going to a medium and you're wanting to get some kind of communication what do you think there's going to be a bark come out of the lady or is that I mean I'm not sure exactly what you're looking for but but basically I, I mean Scripture's pretty clear When they say to you, inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter, and you can imagine if they barked, should not a people inquire of their God? That's what God says. Why aren't they inquiring of me? Why are they going to these people to communicate with the? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? Or that's Isaiah 19. Leviticus 20 and verse 6. If a person turns to mediums and necromancers whoring after them, Wow, that's a strong word. Whoring after them. Why would that be whoring? I'll read the whole verse, but that's the question on the table. If a person turns to mediums, necromancers, whoring after them, I will set my face against that person, will cut him off from among his people. Why is that whoring?
1: It's idolatry, isn't it? It's going to another God when he's supposed to.
0: That's strong language. I mean, when I'm hearing this, I, I guess I would just say to the person, and I don't have a name. It, you know, when I first started reading this, I thought it was a bit humorous. But when I got to the end, I thought, you know what? It's not humorous. It's idolatry. Mm-hmm. And I would just say to this person, look, you're professing to be a Christian. And the the affection that you had for animals went is over the top here it's it's one thing to start thinking i wonder if the bible actually teaches that i might be able to see my pet in glory but when you have such an affection that there is actually the this is demonic stuff when you take that channel And I'm talking, you know, even when somebody does that with a parent or a child or a spouse, they think about what it's saying. It's it's I'm not I'm not okay that God has taken them away. And so now I'm going to use an unbiblical and ungodly, and actually something that God says is whoring, very idolatrous practice to try to communicate with them. And and you know the thing is. Demons can imitate the voices. I remember in San Antonio we had a woman coming in, and there's something off with her and One time I sat down with her at lunch, and I said <clears throat> i said uh, ma'am do you do you hear voices? It's just sometimes I just get kind of a feel that somebody." there's something just kind of spiritually off with somebody and she said yes i uh, she said my mother speaks to me all the time and i told her ma'am that's not your mother <clears throat> and and she said she said to me straight up i don't want it to go away and she was coming regularly and after that i never saw her again <clears throat> but i think that now we're moving backwards through this, but I would say to this person, "Look, you—you should—you should, you should uh, really check your own heart in this matter, because it—it's uh, the affection for these animals has gone too far. I—I th- I think the real idolatry here is the animals themselves. That's what's moving." the uh, the whole thinking and the animal communicator. But let's ask this, just from a biblical standpoint, is there anything in Scripture that would lead us to believe either that there are any animals in heaven, and if there are, Is there anything in Scripture that might lend itself to the fact that animals that were here, that have died, will be there alive? Because because there's somewhat of an assumption here that uh, I believe that I will get to reunite with my babies in the New Jerusalem when the Lord redeems them. Uh, The Gospel did say that the Lord will redeem all his creations. And so, again, this is this is typical of many questions where the person is making these assertions, but I guess that's what I'm looking to you all. Can we affirm that? Is there any place where we would say, oh yeah, we know where the Bible says that. Or would we say, hmm, scratch our head, nah, maybe it doesn't exactly say that. What does the Bible say uh.
1: Romans 8, isn't it? Because the creature itself also should be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. But that's not redemption. Redemption is kind of... Um, it's like being saved, isn't it? You know, you're being redeemed.
0: Aren't redeemed, you? ransomed.
1: from, what? from sin. You know, you know what I mean? So
0: we wouldn't want to talk that way about animals. But even the text there in Romans 8, it says... Let's let's be honest with what it says. Okay, I'm going to read it from the ESV. We just we kind of got the KJV version, but Romans eight nineteen. So if everybody has their Bibles and you actually want to open your Bibles during the Bible study, um, here's here would be a place for us to read. And what we want to do is be honest with what it actually says. Does it say that? All God's creations will be redeemed. Or, is it? Is it not saying that? Is it saying something else? Romans 8.19 For the creation waits. The creation waits with eager longing. Now, you see what's happening here. The first thing I want to point out is this. What? Has the capacity to wait and have eager longing. A, something that something that's a person, right? But we would recognize that sometimes in scripture basically these objective entities get personified. There's many places where you have something that. Is not a person and it's not alive, but it's it's given living characteristics, it's personified. I mean, we do that. We, expressions of speech. Do you think that the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God? Is that all crea- Is that like the stars? Would, could we say that the stars are waiting? The trees are waiting, the the, well, let me ask you this what is happening to creation? Yeah, it's, I mean, basically, it's subject to the curse. And so when it says that it's waiting with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Well, I think I think the picture that we get is the whole creation. Now, is that involved with animals? Yes, but is the it, does the whole thing come under this this decay, this rot? This I, I mean, we we see it all around us. What what was the original? I I, I mean, when you think about the original creation, what was it like? Well, there was no death, not death of animals. There was, what? There were no weeds. I mean, when we talk about plant life, there there weren't thorns and thistles and briars and prickers. Mosquitoes didn't bite you. Flies didn't bite you. Lions didn't eat you. And I mean, one of the things, if you want to think about if you want to think about how the fall affected it all, I mean, just watch a nature documentary with my wife she she recoils, shes why they, why is there always so much killing in these things? It's like there's the gazelle and he goes down to the water, and the crocodile and he just twists and tears in it, it's It's like, yeah, but that's that's how it is." Everything, have you ever, have you ever watched like even birds, the pecking order? Have you ever seen chickens and somebody's got chickens and you look at one and all the feathers are gone? It's like, what's the deal with that chicken? It's like all the other chickens plucked the feathers off it. it Yeah, everything does it. It's like there, there is a, a, have you even seen it in puppies? If you get a run, even when they're little, they, they're, what are they doing? They're testing each other as to where they fit in the order of things.
1: Like
0: siblings, and so we have a creation that, yeah, it it has been hampered with the effects of man's sin, and so I, I think it's just I don't think that when it talks about creation. That it necessarily means, oh yeah, well, this is specifically the animals, and they're like waiting because they're they're like persons and they have souls and they have they can think and so they're actually intelligently waiting and and they're like crying and howling and uh, sad because uh, because they feel this uh, this the effects of all this but they're longing for the revealing of the sons of god for the creation was subjected to futility and there it is there not willingly but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and there it is and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. And what freedom are we going to have? Our freedom is going to be that we're going to be separated from the curse. We're going to be free. And the creation, whatever the new heavens and the new earth looks like, that creation is going to be set free from the effects of all of this as well. There's, I don't believe that there is a single passage in the Bible that you could use to dogmatically teach or say or affirm that the dog we have in the United States when it dies is suddenly gonna be there to greet us when we enter glory oh there's uh there's there's the dog <laughs> Rex uh, but um. What what exactly is going to be in the new heaven and the new earth where there'll be animals? I mean, look, God is a creator. And we see God's diversity in creation. And to think through all the coming ages, God is going to put His his creative magnificence on display. I think we're going to see creatures of uh, unimaginable. Will there be animals? I don't know. I don't have any problem if there is. There certainly isn't anywhere in Scripture that would lead me to believe that there won't be. In chapter 11, though it is prophetic language, it says that the wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion. The fatted calf together and a little child will lead them. It's talking about the the rain
2: of the branch should
0: have So the thing about that, and, and then again in Isaiah 65, it says, "...the wolf and the lamb shall graze together, the lion shall eat straw like the ox, the dust shall be serpent's food, they shall not hurt or destroy, in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. Now, before we just automatically assume, oh, see, there's animals in heaven, or there's animals in the new heaven and the new earth. I would just say that being prophetic language, what we need to recognize is a couple things. For one, that could be just entirely metaphorical, speaking of actually people who are the, the fact that there's just going to be peace. It could also, some would affirm, point to a thousand year kingdom. And so, there's just different ways that it can be interpreted. Saying dogmatically that that teaches that there's animals in the new heaven and the new earth. Um, you know, if somebody looked at that and they said, yeah, I think that that probably is is a bit more literal. Um, Isaiah 11, I see, the cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together. You know what? If that turns out to be true, Great. Does does that mean that, you know, my my for for one thing you have to consider this. Any animal is there is there even any need to say that if there are animals that they're actually animals that have been resurrected that have already lived and died or is this all all new? Because because one of the things I think that you have to look at is just the fact that do animals are animals ever said to bear the image of God, do they have minds? Do they have souls? Do they have spirits? I know you. Per- I think they do because they're not they're
1: not damned and they're not sinful. So how can they have souls? You know what I mean. Yeah.
0: Whether or not they have sinned though isn't a deciding factor on whether something has a soul or a spirit, because man before he sinned obviously had both um, but i just don't think that the scripture teaches that and i know that you can get some obscure text that speaks about animals in a certain way but i don't think it's conclusive about what's happening with animals i think <clears throat> I, I honestly think it's it's a place that god has virtually been silent about and i see a rider on a white horse Maybe there will be white horses there. Um, but I, I don't see any reason why there won't be animals. But I don't think that there's any reason to assume that all the animals that have lived in this life need to be resurrected. Because it's almost like, well, you, well what? You expect uh, tumbles and muffin to be resurrected. But do you, do you believe that that fly you squashed on your arm that was biting you is going to be resurrected too? I mean, where does it stop? What's that? No. No. you. Let me take you out into the woods in the United States in the summertime. Oh. Well, we have deer flies and horse flies and.
1: Not I'm not bit,
0: <laughs> oh no! Here, here, you barely have that problem at all. You go in the woods over there at, at Thomas's, in in Poland. Those things will carry you away. I can
2: imagine it's, yeah,
0: somewhere else. Just about oh yeah, there's biting flies all over. But anyway, that's that's probably enough. We're already at seven thirty. <laughs> Anyways, anybody have any comments on that? Any any? Do you, is that verse
1: the kind Do you know what that is?
2: That's like
0: ox like the... well, basically, what that's saying is that the righteous is kind to his beast, and the in other words, the wicked, you know what you know I'll tell you when I read that verse, it makes me think when I was growing up, I had a high school friend, and uh we all hung out at his house and. And finally, his mom got married and moved out, so the whole house was just like a party house, and we'd all hang out over there. And my friend's brother had a dog, and I remember he'd he'd fight with it, and and it, it would like it. But once in a while, just out of the blue, he'd just slam that dog. I, he'd hit it hard right upside the head, and I just thought, I, I've always I, when I read that text, I think of him. It's like. He was cruel to it, and uh
1: it, i I think about that' because I love my dog, and the cats are right, I'm not tight on it. I just but I think I'm extra nice to it when I think about that verse, even though I'm not that keen on it cause it is <laughs> it bit it. it's, it's, <laughs> it's,
2: it's, it's the, the proverb is is proverbs chapter twelve, verse ten. it says, "Whoever is righteous has regard for the life of his beast." but the mercy of the wicked is cruel.
0: And that's what made me think of my high school friend. It's like, you know, he at times he could be nice to the dog, but then it was almost like he lured the dog into feeling secure and then he'd just cuff it upside the head. Like hard. And uh, like if he did it to you, you'd, it'd probably knock you down. And uh, anyway.
1: So, Tim, what about... um? Ecclesiastes 3, that's what I thought of. You know, it talks about who knows the spirit of man that goes upward and the spirit of the beast that goes down to the earth. Right. In different
0: places. Well, I think, the thing, I think the thing that we have to remember before we get overly dogmatic with a text from Ecclesiastes is we recognize that Ecclesiastes is written by Solomon when he was in a state of mind where he's viewing everything from a very... I mean, when he says vanity of vanities, all is vanity, he's obviously not viewing life from the standpoint of a Christian. He's viewing life from the standpoint of just uh, kind of the kind of the lost perspective on, on all of life. And so it's it's almost like in Ecclesiastes, it tells us not to be overmuch righteous it's like where, where, where people jump on that i've had people ask that question over the years so i think when you're getting this is basically coming at a time see i think what happened was you get vanity of vanities and then the song of songs and this is like solomon giving us the the glory of glories but then also the vanity of just it's it's kind of the um, the opposite extreme, where in his wisdom, he brought out that which is really altogether glorious, but that which from the human perspective, life is just vain. And so, and don't be overmuch righteous. I think when you start taking texts like that, and you look at it, it's like what he's doing is... This is from a perspective of a man using all the wisdom that God has given him, trying to figure everything out in life. And the more he's trying to figure out about it, the more vain he sees it is, and everybody's toiling, then they die. And they just pass it on to the next person. And so, I, I was thinking of that verse. But I would just say, Ecclesiastes is a book that I just be. Careful that you don't make. I mean, if you what you would want to do is compare scripture with scripture before you get overly dogmatic. But I think maybe what he means there, as much as anything, before we really define that, well, y'all see, he's he's actually saying that animals have spirits or animals have souls. What he may be alluding to more than anything is these things die and they go back to the ground and. Yeah.
2: Somewhat unrelated, would you like in terms of the soul? Uh, would you? Would you? It could be completely wrong, but would you say like um, in terms of even having a soul, it, 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 it relates like specifically to like mankind. Because you like in the places where there's uh, the psalmist is saying things like "my soul, my soul," you're like always addressing it to yourself. Would you be able to, or maybe it's a bit of a reach, but could you make a case that of that? Maybe having a soul relates specifically
0: to man. Well, I think, I think that the fact we have a soul, and and you know some people see man as a trichotomy, some as a dichotomy, some would say that spirit and the soul are basically the same thing, others would say no, the spirit and the soul are separate. I tend to lean towards the Bible teaches that there is body, soul, and spirit, and you can even find specific text that brings all three out at once. And I think that what it is, is this. Man has a soul. What is the soul? It's that part of the person that's eternal, that part that's that's uh, uh, obviously separate from the body. But how, do you, how would you discern soul and spirit I would, I, I kind of view that as the spirit. I mean, I, I, what I recognize is this man is spiritually dead, yet he's not soul dead. He has a soul that is alive, but his spirit is dead. But when somebody's redeemed the, the spirit, there's spiritual life now. That's what regeneration is. You actually, that's, that dead in trespasses and sins, that spiritually dead individual is now made alive. What's made alive? Are we saying lost people don't have a soul? No, we would say everybody has a soul. When they die, the souls of the the lost, it goes into a state of punishment. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. but. I, you know, anytime we start talking about that aspect of of a man, it gets uh, it gets difficult to to sort out exactly. I think sometimes spirit and soul get used interchangeably, and yet there's no question that there is. I think. In the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Okay. Well, we we can often ask the question: Did God postpone the penalty, or did He actually die that day? Did He die spiritually? We know He didn't die physically, but did He die? Yes, He fell out of. What is that spiritual aspect? I think it's got to do with communion with God, our our contact with Him. Or just having a soul doesn't necessarily mean that that is a reality. But anybody have any thoughts on that?
2: I think you're right on the spirit thing. Isn't it? Like when uh, made spiritually alive, you're then like somewhat awakened to that world. I think in the um, I think it's First Corinthians two where it speaks of the things of the spirit being revealed by the spirit. Uh, again, it could be a bit of a reach, but maybe it's like. Uh, Saying exactly what he just said is in when this spiritual life you're then also aware of the spiritual world and these the spiritual truths by the spirit of God then become like real to you.
0: I know it's easy for us to distinguish between the spirit and the body, and the soul and the body. That's obvious. And we know that this body is it, it's going to die, and it's going to go in the ground or it's going to get cremated or whatever happens to it. but then the rest of us it I mean we're still we're still a unit. What kind of unit? I don't know what happens. I mean, how did how did Moses have a body on the Mount of Transfiguration? We could say, well, Elijah had one because he never lost his. Perhaps, but how did Moses have one how, how could how did they even appear like that to be recognized by Peter I mean what what actually goes are we are we until the bodies are resurrected is are are we in some form to be absent with the bodies, to be present with the Lord I mean the thief on the cross this day you'll be with me in paradise but in what in what form are we there Jesus he ascended bodily, but our bodies are are I mean we're going to be free from them free from the flesh we're going to, we're going to be our spirits are going to be free but what does that look like we don't know we don't exactly know I mean do, do do we have some kind of bodily shape or representation before our bodies are actually raised on that last day I don't know but I know this that that spiritually Whatever the soul and the spirit, however we might try to differentiate those or define that, I mean, we, we know this, that the unbeliever, he has, he has an awareness. He has mental capacities, thought processes. Why? Because that individual, very specifically in 2 Peter and Jude, when we look at the picture there, they are shuttled off to a place of punishment. A holding tank until the day of judgment is is basically what we find, and so all all the loss we don't want to think about any kind of soul sleep. the The unbelievers who have died, they right now are they're in a holding place. That scripture is very plain in, in its teaching there, and then we it's plain on what happens to the Christian. We we know that there is an immediate and and you know people christians dying they they often are uh, very much made aware of his presence before they actually even leave the body anyway that's a that's a thing i mean you can you can there are all sorts of theories about body and soul and and uh, spirit